Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Uma voz chama o seu nome. Esperança se criou. Na escuridão ele responde. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Você sabe, irmão Silas. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. A morte esteve perto e eu só tenho dor. E quando a trilha saiu, vi o rosto de Jesus. E aqui estamos juntos carregando a cruz. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. E eu louvarei meu Deus. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Não sei o que será do amanhã e que o futuro tem. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. 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 Good morning, everybody. It's a beautiful Thursday morning here at Rick Bonfin Ministries, and my name is Matt Fallick, and I'm really happy that you're here, and I'm happy to be with you. Um, we're going to go ahead today uh, and continue our Bible study in John chapter 17. Uh, I had to move a little bit there. I was a little off-center, excuse me. Um, we're going to continue our Bible study in John chapter 17. Verses 20 through 23 is kind of where I personally would like to camp out this morning. Um, so if you could turn in your Bibles there, I want to say a quick prayer before I get started, and then uh, we'll get started. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you said these words 2,000 years ago, that you prayed them for us. Lord, I pray that this morning, that just as you spoke these words in this passage, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth would not be my own, but they'd be yours. Lord, you know all things. I don't know anything, but I pray that the blessing that you have for your people through this word would go out and would reach them in their homes right now, reach them in their circumstances, would reach them in all their depression and anxiety, and would give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. So, <clears throat> I'm coming to you this morning with great joy, but not a lot of eloquent words. So, forgive me if I don't have um, a super well-articulated point, but I will try to get there this morning. So, let's go ahead, and I just want to read through this real quick. We're still looking here at the high priestly prayer of Jesus. 
okay? And he is talking to the Father in the presence of the disciples. Um, if you've ever, you know, been involved in a prayer, it's like the disciples, I, I can assume, I just have this image, they're just sitting there and he's just talking. It says the Lord, he's just talking to God. And they're just sitting there kind of listening um, and praying with him um, in the Spirit. So uh, Jesus is now going to switch in verse 20, and we're going to see that. So he says here, Neither pray I for these alone. So he's not just praying. He's been praying for his disciples, the twelve, and now he's moving to a bigger audience or bigger uh, group of people. He says, I don't just pray for these alone, but them also which should believe on me through their word. Okay, that is you. You're sitting here this morning and you believe in Jesus Christ and you're reading this Bible. You're believing on Jesus through the word of John the Apostle because he wrote this. And so if you believe in Jesus, because you've read this word and you believe what it says, you are one of these people. And Jesus is now going to direct his prayers towards you and to the, every single other person who has come to know him through the thousands of years since his death and resurrection and his ascension. He is praying for all of them right now in this moment. And so this is a personal, if you couldn't relate to anything else that's been said before in the prayers, you can absolutely relate to this because this is directly pointed at you. Okay? It says, he prays this. He says that they all may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, be one in us, <clears throat> that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you loved me. Okay, so I started reading this last night, kind of was looking at it yesterday, um, and I was mad. <laughs> I was mad. And I was mad because of myself. It's my fault. But I was upset. And I was looking at this, and I said to myself, in my, in my in self, I said self, you know, or I, said, <laughs> I said, Jesus, I was talking to Jesus, I was like, Jesus, why of all the things that you could have prayed for me, of all the things that I think I need, you know, in my life, of all the things that I really, you know, desire and, and that I, you know, out of this Christian walk and all the things, why did you pray for me to be unified? Yeah. You know, I don't like these people that much. <laughs> it's not true. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. But I was thinking to myself, I was like, what a, what a weird thing for Jesus to pray if we really think about it in terms of being unified. Why would he, why would he pray that? And so I was reading it and I was talking to the Lord and I felt like the Lord kind of showed me or spoke to me that this is not unified in terms of just a, a, a unified, just the word unity in terms of having no dissension between us, in terms of having no argument or in terms of having no um, difference in like the way that we, just, just the way that we believe or the way that we feel about each other. It's not just this lovey-dovey, kumbaya, hold hands, unity. Jesus uses the word one here. One. Not W-O-N, I won the game. One, the number, to describe what he is praying for us. So as I was reading this, I started to understand that this is a very, very powerful prayer, actually. What Jesus right now, in this current moment, is praying for all believers is that they would be unified with the Father. Okay? They would be unified not just in thought or in action, but would be unified in purpose and in being with the Father. That is what Jesus is praying right here. It says, as you, Father, are in me, 
and I in you, that the, um, they may also be one in us. So the same way that God is unified with Christ, the way that we think about the relational unity between the Father and the Son is the same way that Jesus wants us to be unified with God Himself, the, the Godhead. He wants us to have that same being and nature as God. That's amazing, right? So Jesus was completely unified with the Father. We look at passages like John 8:58, where the Jews are mad at Him, and He said, Before Abraham was, I am. A direct reference to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, where God said the same thing to Moses, right? And so everything that Jesus was, He said, I do nothing of Myself. Everything that I do, I do that the Father, what the Father says. Okay? And so all of Jesus' life and all of the, the unity that He had with the Father was manifested in every single action that He took. Okay? So everything that Jesus did was a direct representation of the Father because Jesus Christ is God. Right? We understand that through the word that we read, that Jesus Christ is God in man. Okay? And we can't say that as humans. This is a hard thing for us to say because we, we're not God. We came into this world born in sin, we die in sin, we live in sin. Right? And, and so there is a disconnect oftentimes with this unity that Christ and the Father have and the unity of Christ in the church. So Jesus here is praying for unity with His church and God, but we don't often see that. We don't often see the church or us body of believers being unified with the will of God. If we look out throughout history and the history of the church, we can look at all the way back to you know Roman Catholicism and the Crusades and the murder and the slaughter of thousands of people. You know, we can look throughout the history of the church with the Church of England where they had to divinely worship the King of England as if, as if he was somehow godly. We can look throughout the history of believers and we oftentimes really don't look like Jesus very much. I, you know, we hear it a lot from unbelievers. I really like Jesus, but I don't like you guys very much because <laughs> we don't look like him. We don't often. I'm not saying you guys don't. Maybe you do. But for the majority of the church, big C, organization, we don't look like Him. But that's what Jesus prayed for. That was His prayer. Was that we would be unified. Because we are the body of Christ. Betty, can you, can you read that for me? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Are you going to make a comment? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. 1 Corinthians 12. <laughs> 27. 27, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Good, that does help me. Go ahead. Okay, because I see Jesus doing two things here. I see him saying, first of all, speaking to each one of us as an individual, that he wants us to be unified with him Mm -hmm. and the Father just Mm -hmm. as he and the Father. Um, Oswald Chambers is one of my favorite old dead guys, you know, and he defines in my utmost first highest sin as claiming my right to myself. Mm -hmm. Yes. When I live for myself, my right to myself is the essence of sin. So to be unified as Jesus was with the Father is to give up my right to myself and say, my, I want my, not my will, but thine be done. 
So that's a indi- very so. individual, personal thing where it begins. And then the second, what grows out of that right. is that we are, as a body, unified. And that doesn't mean we don't ever disagree. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking the other day as we were going over this, well, Barnabas and Paul had a big right. falling out. Right. Peter and Paul had some issues. Right. To be the body doesn't mean we don't ever disagree. Disagree or, but in the end, our hearts are that right. we give up our right to ourselves right. for something greater, Amen. which God has put Amen. together, which is His body. That's a good segue into the next scripture I was going to read. Thank <laughs> you, Betty. Um, so, Betty, everything Betty said is golden. Okay, um, that's awesome. Uh, so, right. So we we don't see this unity oftentimes in the church, and I believe that that is because of exactly what Betty just said, because we are unwilling to give up our own way, our own life, our own, you know, personal, you know, this is who I am, I am this, and I'm going to live this way, and I'm going to try to live for God this way, and we're unwilling to do that, and we're unwilling to be in Christ. Because it says here in verse 23, I in them, and you in me. So the unity that we need to, the, the, the oneness with God, comes in Jesus being in us. It doesn't come from us, you know, conforming to a, a, a set of ideas, actually. It doesn't come from us thinking a certain way. It doesn't come from us acting a certain way. It comes from the Son making His home in you and changing the way that you behave and changing the innermost parts of who you are. Because that's what Jesus requires. If we look over here in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. Turn with me there real quick. 24 through 26. Before you do, while you're turning there, I kind of minimized verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12 because I jumped to my thoughts. So let me say it again. Now you, that's plural, you together are Christ's body. And individually, that's you as a Mm -hmm. person, members of it. Amen. That's awesome. Yes, that's, that's good. Thank you, Betty. So if we turn over here to Matthew chapter 16, and we, as a body, okay, we turn over here to Matthew chapter 16. It says, in verse 24, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Deny himself. Take up his cross. Take up his instrument of self-death, <laughs> his instrument of crucifixion, and follow me. Go after me. For whosoever will save his life, save his own personal, who, this is who I am, this is my life, I like to golf on Sunday, I like to drink sweet tea. I mean, it's okay to drink sweet tea. I'm not telling you you can't. I love sweet tea. Um, But I like to do this, and this is how I operate, and this is how I get to God. This is how I think about Him. If any man will save that, he'll lose it. And whosoever will lose his life, will lose his life, but not just lose his life, for my sake shall find it. But what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? So Jesus makes it starkly clear that it's not just about losing your life in some sort of aestheticism where we beat ourselves in the corner and say, I never go outside and I'm just scared to, to have a personality. It's not about that. It's about losing yourself in Jesus. It's about becoming so conformed to His image, so close to who He is, that everything that we used to be in of, of ourselves changes. And we lose that part and we gain His attributes and who He is and His nature and His kindness and His goodness. Now, you're still members of a body, like Betty said. So you're going to be different than other people. 
there's going to ha- be some personality differences. Is a foot like a hand? Absolutely not. Is a knee like an elbow? Somewhat, but they're not in the same place. You know, is an eye like an ear? Two completely different things. So you will have personality differences. You are an individual. I'm not telling you you need to be a monk and go hang out in a, in a temple somewhere and you all need to eat at the same time and act the same way and have the same haircut. That's not what I'm telling you. What I am telling you is that we have to be be thinking of how we can be more like Jesus every day and less about how we can be more like ourselves. Then do you have Romans 8.29? Paul said this in Romans 8.29. It's one of my favorite passages. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. This was God's plan all along. This was God's plan all along. He always had set it up that he would have people in the world that looked just like him. What is Genesis 1.26 also, Cindy? Because it kind of highlights that point. God had this, this, this preordained, pre-knowledge of what he wanted to do with humanity. And it says here. Go ahead. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, for the, over the livestock, over the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Thank you, Cindy. So it was God's plan from Genesis chapter 1, the beginning, that man would be made in the likeness of God. Okay? And it says here, it said in Romans 8, verse 29, that He preordained us to be conformed to the image of His Son. See, I personally believe that this was not a secondary plan. I don't think Adam and Eve were created with the intent that they would be in the likeness of God in themselves. I don't believe that. I believe that Jesus was always plan A. He was always the first option, the only option. And I believe the only way that we can truly look like God is because of Jesus Christ, is if we look like Him. It says here, if we turn over here to Matthew chapter 11, Jesus makes this even more clear. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. It says, All things are delivered unto me of my Father. Jesus said this. And no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal. And so in that statement, Jesus makes it expressly clear that without Him, there is no way to know or have any idea who the Father is. There is absolutely impossible to understand what the Father requires of us to be like Him in this world without Jesus. And we know that. We believe that. But so often, we find ourselves thinking, well, I got saved by grace, I was covered by the blood, but now I've got to conform myself, I've got to mold myself like clay, and I've got to you know, somehow figure it out in my head, I've got to you know, go through certain rituals to get to God. There's got to be a certain way that I pray. There's got to be a certain thing that I do every day. There's got to be specific steps that I take to get to God. You see, we tried that already. It was called the Law of Moses, and it didn't work. And they still had sinful people, and none of them looked like God. Nobody. Not even Moses himself. And we tried that already. But so often we find ourselves going to like, like a spirit law, almost. Like we won't go all the way back to the law of Moses. We know that's not right. But we'll find ourselves developing rituals and routines and certain things that we feel like we have to do to get to God. 
certain things that we feel like, if I don't pray this specific way, if I don't relate to God with this specific action, or this specific, every, the, the way that I do this every single day, this specific way, then I won't reach Him. And I won't be like Him. See, that, that's not exactly true. All you really need to do is get close to Jesus. And you have that opportunity. Because Jesus died on the cross, so you could have that opportunity. Jesus understood that we would do this. He understood it. That's why he said in Acts chapter 4, he says, Stay here until the Holy Spirit comes. Don't go anywhere, Peter. Look at it you, Peter. Don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit comes. Because if you try to do this thing without me in you, you're going to create more rituals and more law. And you're going to create more things that aren't going to really get you to the heart of the Father if I'm not in you. If I'm not in you, then you're not going to understand. Because we can't understand. And that's a beautiful promise to me, actually. Because it takes the responsibility off my shoulders. And all it really says is that I need to get to know who Jesus is on a personal level. And that's a lot easier, in my mind, that's a lot easier than having to go to the left or to the right, do this or that, reach God. Go ahead. It is easier, but a lot of people would rather have a methodology than a relationship. Yes, they would. You know, yes, they would. just give me the rules and I'll try to do them as yeah. opposed to being totally dependent on Jesus as a person yeah. to say, I don't know how to do, I, I know nothing. I don't know how to do it. I depend on you. They'd rather, f- our flesh wants to accomplish it and right. do it. Right. You know. Go ahead, John. So, I'm going to see if I can not get us on a, a different track here, but uh, but if you you know if unity, you said something a few minutes ago mm-hmm. that um, if we think of unity of the church in terms of theological ascension, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. then it's obvious that we're not unified as a church. But if you think of unity in terms of commitment to the person of Jesus, then we actually are worldwide pretty pretty unified. Com- pretty unified. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Honestly. That's good. You know, so in practice we might look very different. But the worldwide church, evangelical church is committed to the person of Jesus Christ. Now, now sure. the thing that is dividing us right now is the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because Jesus says in chapter 16 that when the spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into all truth. And then he goes on to say that um, he shall glorify me, mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. And also, you know, our theme of Revelation 19.10, the testimony, testimony of, of Jesus, Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Yeah. So the rejection of the person and work of the Holy Spirit is what, is creating disunity right now because mm-hmm. those who want to reject the Holy Spirit are usually the ones that Betty is speaking of who say, well, theological ascension is easier. It's easier than, give me yeah. the do's and don'ts. Yeah. Give me the list. Yeah. Because right. then you're in control, right. whereas when you surrender to the Holy Spirit, right. then you're not in control right. anymore. That's good. Um, and so it's not really the person of Jesus that's dividing us right now as yeah. a church. It's... It's the person to work of the Holy Spirit. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's that that's so important 
that what you just said. Um, and I think it's, you know, for me, it helps me to understand that when I'm in Christ, when, I, when I'm seeking Jesus, that's when the Holy Spirit can come in. And, you know, because we think about, I think it's hard for people, and I totally agree with what you just said, but I think it's hard for people to come to the place of, like, I, you know, understand how to get the Holy Spirit in me. Because we really don't understand, like, what that means exactly. You know what I mean? Like, do I need to ascend up to heaven to bring him down? Do I need to go down to bring him up? Like, what do I do? Right? And for me, it helps the simplicity of getting to know Jesus on a, on a one-on-one personal level helps me understand that he is that, the Spirit is Jesus, and it is the Father. It's all connected. It's all unified. Just as Jesus said, you know, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. And there may be different forms of God, like, you know, like water is ice, vapor, you know, liquid. And there may be different forms, but it's all the same God, right? And so in moving towards Jesus, like John just said, you have to come to the natural progression of being filled with the Holy Spirit, like John just said. We have to come to a place where Christ is not just with us, but he is in us. Unless you are one who is committed to the historical Jesus. Right, <laughs> right, right. That's, that's the distinction that, that the people struggle with. Now, I will say also that this is primarily in the Western church. Yes. Okay, the Southern, southern Hemisphere doesn't really have this problem. They don't. <laughs> they don't. You they know, don't. The, Jesus as a person and the work of the Holy Spirit, I mean, it's, it's on fire and the Southern Hemisphere is exploding. Asia, you know, everywhere. Um, yep. But we're just too smart for our own good in the Western Church. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Um, so if we go over to Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse five, it really illustrates this point um, to understand. You know, because like it's funny because Nicodemus struggled with this actually when he was talking about being born of the Spirit. He was like, "How can I be born again?" You know, and so this is a struggle. I mean, it's it's a real thing. What, what John you know is talking about. It's a real struggle. And so turn with me to Second uh, Corinthians verse thir- chapter 13, verse 5. It says, Examine yourselves whether you be in this faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves how that Christ Jesus is in you, except you be rejected. So Paul says it in this way, that there is no physical person living in you. You know, that you would probably know if that was the case. But there is a spirit alive in you. And it is the personhood of Jesus Christ. And in that spirit coming to live in you, you can relate to the Father. Because the person who knows the Father is alive in you. He knows who the Father is. Nobody else does, but he does. And so, like Betty was saying, if we go on this track of theological ascension, do's and don'ts, rules and regulations, if we go on that track, if we go that direction, we're going to miss it because we don't understand the Father. We don't get it. I, in myself, do not get it. I, I can admit that. And, but in me admitting that and saying, Jesus, I need you, he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to help you. And I will send the Comforter who will teach you all things, like John just said. I will send myself. I will put a piece of me in you that you can live for God when nobody else could. You can live for God. Jesus said, if your own righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, the law people, the the routine and the ritual, if your righteousness does not exceed that, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You will not enter it. 
And so I was like, well, dang, <laughs> when I first read that. Because I don't keep the law as well as the Pharisees do. Actually, I don't have an understanding of the Torah as well as the Pharisees did. I don't. There are people in this world right now who understand so much more about the Word of God, the syntax, the grammar, the language, the understanding of what we're supposed to do, all 613 commandments. There are people in this world right now in the Christian church who understand that and strive to be without transgressing that much more than I do. The difference is, is that I'm not putting my trust in my own ability to reach God. I put my trust in Jesus living in me and fulfilling His righteousness through my own life. It doesn't mean that I'm awesome. It means actually that I'm not so awesome, but I know that Jesus is. And I know that He wants to live in me. John, can you read Galatians 2.20? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is Paul. <laughs> do you remember who Paul was? I do. He was a Pharisee. And he kept the law. He says it in Philippians. I was spotless and blameless in point of touching the law. I was the hope of the law of the Pharisees. He was the hope of them. He was their great shining <laughs> token. This guy keeps the law really well. And he, he's really righteous. And he can disprove this Christian lie, quote-unquote. That's what the Pharisees were saying. He can disprove this Christian thing because he is the hope of God. That was Paul. But Paul just said, I'm dead. <laughs> because I didn't know anything about God. I didn't understand a single thing about who he was. And then Paul met Jesus on a road to Damascus. Amen. And when Paul met Jesus... And he compared his own little kingdom with the glory of the Son of God. He said, whew, <laughs> I don't got it. And he said, I trust in you, Jesus. And when that happened, Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus started to live his life through Paul. Jesus started to manifest himself through the life of Paul. And we now have so many epistles where Paul got God. He understood God on a personal one-on-one -on -one level. Paul's sitting in prison and saying, thank you, <laughs> I'm suffering for the king. Are we like that? I know I'm not all the time. I get so satisfied with my own little religion. So often. My own little Matthew Phallic religion. <laughs> that I can reach you because I prayed this certain prayer. I literally find myself praying exact words on a daily basis. Because if I don't, I feel like I can't reach God. That's real in my life. But Jesus is teaching me that if I just get to know who He is and get more of Him in me and less of me in Him. Or less of me in myself. I said that wrong. If I just get more of Him in me, things are going to change in my life. And I won't have to worry if I'm reaching God because God will be right there. I'm going to read Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 1. I mean, chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. Therefore, there is no condemnation in, to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after their flesh. That would be me. That would be my skin suit. That would be my mind. But after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Free from the law of sin and death. 
For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus bore our sins in His physical body. Then the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We will be fulfilled the righteousness of the law if we walk after the Spirit of Jesus Christ in us. That is what Paul says right here in Romans chapter 8, verse 4. This is not against righteousness. Jesus said, I am not coming here to throw away the law. None of the law will pass, he said in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. This is not against righteousness. This is your fulfillment of righteousness in Christ Jesus, entrusting in the one who can fulfill it. Who can fulfill it. John, can you just finish up with that uh, Galatians 3? Galatians three twenty six to 29. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. Thank you, John. We are children of God in Christ Jesus. Being in Christ Jesus speaks a better word over your life than what you're speaking of yourself right now. You may be speaking of yourself that I'm not worthy of it. I'm not fulfilling. You know, I I sinned yesterday. I told a lie. You may be thinking to yourself that you have not kept the law on all points. And you're right. Nobody has except for Jesus. And he died so you could have his righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He died so you could become just like him. And you could have a personal relationship with that God who was up in heaven and you couldn't reach him before because you were sinful, but in Christ Jesus you can reach him now because when God looks at you, he sees that you've put on Jesus. He sees that you've put on the Spirit of God. And then he says, I'm going to lead you with my Spirit into righteousness. You're not just justified in my eyes, you're going to be justified in real life, in your everyday walk. And I'm praying for you that you will see that. Let me pray for you we're going to close out. Thank you, Jesus. I just, I just thank you, Jesus, this morning that we all have an opportunity to have a personal relationship with you, not just with us, but in us by your Spirit. I pray, Jesus, that this, that this morning if there's anyone, God, who is tired of their own law <laughs> and they're tired of their own righteousness and they're weary and heavy laden, I pray, Jesus, that you would come along and as they talk to you and they reach out to you, that you would take the burden off their shoulders and you would lead them into the presence of the Father. Lord, put your spirit in us so that we can look like you in this world. So that we can look like you to others. Jesus, I thank you for the life of those that are listening. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be with them in their homes right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon.